Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, if he be lifted up, he'll draw all people to him. I just felt like that as we were worshiping. We were lifting him up, singing holy, holy, holy. And as he's lifted up, I pray that he's just drawing you. I I felt in my heart that God was just drawing some of your hearts to to him in a new way. And so uh, we're going to keep lifting him up. And we've got an amazing uh, July planned. It's going to be awesome with the student takeover next week. Let me encourage you. um, If you know a student or maybe you have a neighbor or a family member or a friend of your family that's maybe student isn't close to God or really all all in with God, man, get them here next week. It's going to be, I know it's July 4th weekend, but this will be the second. And so it's before the fourth. And so you, you can get here if you can, if you're out of town, I get it. If you're in town, there's no excuse. Um, and so man, bring, bring somebody cause they're going to see students present the gospel and they're going to see students testimonies and they're going to see what God did in other students' lives. And a lot of times that can impact their own generation. And so we want to use that to see kids get on fire for God. Come on. Somebody say next generation, next generation. is going to serve God. I am excited about it. We're going to jump into the last part of this uh, series called Boot Camp. I hope it's been helping uh, some of you guys. It's been helping me. I've heard a lot of good feedback about this series. And then um, this will be the last installment of this series. And then we'll move into just summer transformation. A lot of great things planned for July. Before I jump in, though, I want to pray for our brothers and sisters. We support a ministry in Jerusalem called King of Kings Ministries, um, King of Kings Jerusalem. And so it's a church with uh, many uh, believers from all over the world, Messianic believers, and then and then Christians and, uh, and then different people from different nations. And they're all coming together. There's a place called the pavilion that we support. And basically they have counseling, they have uh, rehab, they have food and clothing and supplies. And then they have, um, a prayer tower and they have a congregation, a, a, an auditorium, state of the art. It's in like a mall in the new city of Jerusalem. And it's a, it's a called the pavilion and there's food and restaurants that's owned by the ministry we support that reaches out to the community. But then there's an auditorium that holds about five, 600 people in the middle of Jerusalem. It's, unheard of to be able to worship Jesus that way in Jerusalem. And so this last week they had a big uh, worship encounter and different um, people from all over, five, 600 people from all over coming together to worship for a couple days. And they had huge persecution uh, taking place out in the pavilion. And so I have friends that were there, saw videos of it where they were getting hair pulled and spit on and, and just attacked in their video. And it's saying, hey, we love you. We love you. We love you. We're here to worship. We love you. And, and just responding to their enemies in love. And then um, the man that leads it, Wayne Hilston, or he's one of the founding um, fathers of it. He was in the auditorium filming all these believers worship. And he says, Look at the boldness and look at the, look at the courage to worship God in the middle of persecution. It's taking place right outside those doors. And so they put those doors shut and just began to worship Jesus. And so anyway, we support them. You support them. Let's pray for them real quick because um, God's doing something in that nation and it really will affect us and our world. And so let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for uh, Wayne Hillsden and um, Chad Holland and those men and women that lead uh, King of Kings Jerusalem. Lord, we know you are the King of Kings, and we know that is your city, and your throne will be set up there again. You will put your feet down again in that city, and you will enthrone yourself there for the ages, and that you will create a new heaven and earth from there. And God, we believe that you are the rightful heir to the throne of David. Jesus, we thank you that we lift you high, that they're lifting you high there, our brothers and sisters. We ask you to continue to embolden them, uh, give them boldness to preach the gospel as they ought. Give us boldness, Lord. If they can face it, we can face it. Give us boldness to preach the gospel 
and speak the truth as we ought. And I thank you, Lord, that you would do all you're going to do, bring revival, an end time revival to Jerusalem, to your people there, and let it spread across the planet, God, until we see you face to face in Jesus' matchless name. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. I'm going to be in James, the book of James today. I felt like um, to end the series boot camp that it would, I'd be remiss if I did not go to James chapter one, uh, where we get to talk about trials and testings of our faith. How many know that uh, boot camp, there's a little bit of trials in boot camp. Anybody been to boot camp? A little bit of testing at boot camp, a little, a little bit of uh, pain, a little bit of stuff that we go through if you enroll in boot camp. If you're a part of the military or part of that service, there's something called boot camp. Boot camp is the place they take the civilian out of you and put the, the soldier into you. That's what this message has been about. And so today, uh, I feel like it's fitting to kind of pull on the last bit of civilian. Come on, we have too much civilized Christians in the world, somebody. We have too, too much civilian sometimes, and God said, I'm making an army, compares us to athletes and, and, and soldiers and farmers, those type of lifestyles uh, I don't love. Come on, I, I'm not, I don't want to run if no one's chasing me. I don't want to farm. I'm going to the grocery store and get my food. But Paul talks about that us, and he likens us to these, these occupations and these, these types of people, and so there's something to be said about that, and James uh, talks about trials. The book of James is all about faith. The theme of it is faith, how faith grows strong, how to grow in maturity, how to, how to strengthen. There's different topics, but the main theme is faith. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Come on, Mary had sex, somebody. Come on. <laughs> Praise God for holy sex. It's good. She was married to Joe. They, he almost missed Christmas, didn't believe Jesus was real, but, but, but an angel showed up, and, and so J- Jesus has half-brothers and sisters. Come on, the James is the half-brother. There's no such thing as the, the Virgin Mary any longer, so, so she wasn't immaculate forever, and, the thing, and, and here's the deal, and I, I might be help messing some of y'all's theology up, but, but the, she, there was brothers and sisters. That's how we know that Jesus is the real deal, because his brothers and sisters called him Lord. Anybody's brother is going to worship his brother. Brother, you, you know it's God. And so, and so James is talking to the church about growing up. He's talking to believers that are immature. He's talking to those that proclaim they believe one thing, but they're living in a different way. And they're saying there's immaturity in the church. And he said, I want you to grow up. I want your faith to get stronger. I want you to mature. And so that's where we pick up James 1 in the message version. 2 through 8 says this, consider it a sheer gift. Somebody say sheer gift. Consider it a gift, a sheer gift. One translation in the New King James says, count it pure joy. Count it pure joy. Friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. It says when you face various trials in the, in the New King James, various trials, many faceted, many angled, many colored trials that come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what what you're doing, pray to the Father. The New King James says, ask for wisdom. If you don't know what you're doing, ask for wisdom. Pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People who worry their prayers, uh uh-oh, are like whipped wind waves. 
Anybody ever worried a prayer? <laughs> yeah, y'all all lying except three of you. <laughs> People who worry their prayers are like whipped wind waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way, adrift at sea, keeping all of your options open, keeping all of your options open. Consider it a sheer gift when you face trials and testings. My title for today is, would you like a gift receipt? Would you like a gift receipt? Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word, Lord, that your word would accomplish its work in us. Lord, I'm preaching to myself today. So, Lord, would you continue to do what you want to do in me and uh, do it in us in this room collectively and strengthen us, Lord, whatever trial we're facing, whatever test we're going through, whatever boot camp moment we're in, would you uh, strengthen us in Jesus' name? Amen? Uh, would you like a gift receipt? Consider it a sheer gift. I feel like I'm a good gift giver. Come on, where are all my good gift givers at? Anybody, who, who in here knows you're not a good gift giver? Come on, you just raise your hand. You don't even know what to do. Last minute, don't plan it. Don't look at anybody. Don't, wives are nail, hitting the elbow on their husbands right now. Um, and it takes, it takes like thought to give a good gift. It takes, it takes you know, a little bit of research, a little investigation. So I bought my wife a gift uh, a few years back at uh, William and Sonoma. Come on. Anybody, any guys? If you're, and I, I mean, I did research somebody. I figured out what she wanted. And I asked uh, friends. I asked neighbors. I asked family members. I was like, what? You know, I asked her secret undercover by making lists. I went in with my notebook. Don't go to William and Sonoma without a notebook, man. Come on. I went in with a notebook. And uh, I bought this gift for her. Perfect gift. I'd planned out. And the first thing the clerk says behind the counter, the very first thing that I, after I purchased says, would you like a gift receipt with that? And I was like, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. I was like, what you're saying is you're automatically assuming that she's going to hate the gift that I just bought her and she's going to run and return it. No, I don't want a gift receipt. I'm a good gift giver. I'm a planner. I figured out what she wants. I did it right this time. I know I messed up last year, but I did some research this year. And no, I don't want her to be able to bring this back easily. This cost me some effort to try to get this gift. I'm not letting her return this and exchange it. This is what I wanted to give. This is my gift to her. It was a gift. I didn't want to exchange it. Come on. How many of you ever get that gift that you wish you could return, but you can't because you know that person that gave it to you is going to come to your house and look for it and ask you where it's hanging? I ought to return that. Where's that baby Jesus manger crocheted that we framed up to hang in your kitchen? Like, we, we, we found a better place for it. <laughs> you got that sweatshirt on from five years ago that your granny gave you. You can't take it back because every time she comes over, where's that sweatshirt? You're wearing that sweatshirt out of style for five years, but you can't take it off till granny goes. You know, because you got the gift that you wish you could return, but you can't return it because they're going to check on it. A lot of times the scripture says that every test and every trial is a gift. That every test and everything that we go through and storm is a gift from God. And a lot of times we want a return receipt. We want a gift receipt. God, can I please exchange this? Can I please turn this back in? Can I, please, can I tell you there's a no return policy on the test that you face? There's, a, there's, a, there's not a gift receipt that God hands out to you when you go through a trial. I know we don't get it sometimes. I know we wish we could turn that trial back in. But James clearly tells us, no, no, no. You're going through this for a reason. There's some stuff that you're, you're facing. This trial is actually a gift from God. I wish I could return it. I wish I could exchange it. I wish I could understand it fully on this side of the trial or in the middle of the trial. But but I can't. And here's the thing. God's going to show up at your house. He's doing it today, right now. Where's that gift I gave you? Where, where's that 
How'd you hang up that trial that you went through in your life? How, how have you allowed it to shape and form you? How, how have you, how's your attitude? Have you just oppressed it, depressed it, put it in the closet, hung it up, hit it, not talked about it? How, where's the thing that you've went through? How have you used it in your life to actually bring me glory and to strengthen you? How have you allowed it to do what I meant it to do in your life? Or have you just wanted to exchange it, complaining from holiday to holiday that God doesn't give you what you thought you should have. I think a lot of times we're under pressure. It says that when we face pressure, don't try to prematurely get out of it. Again, this is boot camp message today. Last one in boot camp. So you can be happy next week. Come back. The students are preaching. They might get you harder than I get you. I don't know. But, but, but don't try to escape it prematurely. Let it do its work that would mature you and develop you. It says this, so that you're not deficient in any way. Can I tell you that we have a culture of deficiencies? We're deficient. We're, we're iron deficient. We're vitamin deficient. We're, we're, we're exercise deficient. We're calcium deficient. We're, we're, we're bone density deficient. It's just, it's just the reality. We're, we're health deficient in the natural. I mean, literally, they're saying that the soil in today's age, vegetables don't have certain vitamins and nutrients because they've tried to grow too much and mature too much too quickly in the soil. And now the soil is depleted from the nutrients that your body needs when we eat the vegetables that we grow because we tried to do it quickly. We tried to do too much too fast. So we're deficient sometimes in what we eat. I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your body is like, what you need, or if you've ever studied that kind of stuff. Do you know that after 50 years old, 50 years of age, if you don't do resistance training, if you don't begin to work out, do some push-ups. Come on, my buddy Jim right there. He did, what do you do, like 100 push-ups every morning and, and uh, a 15-minute plank? I'm calling you, man. I'm, I'm bragging on you right now. Uh, you know, he's, he's 82 years old. Stand up. Look, show, show everybody. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not. <laughs> he's not 82. Here's the deal. Like, like <laughs> After 50, everybody's going to be like doing 80 minute planks, you know, next week. And I can look that good. Here's the deal. You, you, it, after 50, if you don't, you lose 10 to 15% of strength and, 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 and actual muscle mass per year. If you don't engage yourself in any resistance training. Why is it that we know that in the natural? The Bible says in the natural, so is in the spiritual. So why do we know that in the natural, that there's deficiencies and things that we need and that we'll get weaker if we don't actually engage in resistance? But in the spiritual, we want it easy. We want delivered from every storm. We want God to set us free from every single, every God, just deliver me. I don't want to go through any of this. And now our souls are deficient when it comes to the battles of life that we're called to face. God cares about our character. He cares about my character, and I don't want to escape the trials. I don't want to be deficient in my soul. I don't want the nutrients that I'm pulling on not to be the actual things I need in my, in my life. I, God, I don't want to get out of it prematurely. That's easy for me to say up here. I'm not necessarily out there in the trial, but I've been in them. I'm in them now. There's things in my life, and I'm just saying, God, I want to go through it. I don't want to go around it. I don't want to return receipt. I don't want to give this gift back to you. You can develop weaknesses. You can develop shortcomings. You can develop deficiencies through storms and trials and trainings and battles that you and I face. And I just want to encourage you. How do you see this gift? Write this down. Test and trials develop you. They develop you. It's a simple thought, but they develop you. Every test that you go through, every trial you go through, it says that your true colors come out. Who we really are gets seen. Your faith life is forced out into the open. Come on, you ever been through something and something comes out that you didn't expect was still there? 
I'll be honest, I was playing golf with some, some guys the other day, and I'm just confession time. My wife's out of town, so I can, I can confess. I was playing golf, and, and someone hit a golf ball, and I, I usually don't, I usually, I, 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 don't not, I do not cuss on the golf course out loud. <laughs> and so, and so, and this wasn't at a golf shot or anything bad, so I wasn't angry, I wasn't mad at it, but somebody hit a golf ball and it flew past my face and hit the golf cart right by where, right where I was standing. I mean, like two inches away. I mean, it whizzed by my face and they didn't yell anything. I mean, and I, and I, I the, the S word came out, the shoot, shoot word came out. Shoot, oh shoot. And I'm looking at these guys playing, I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. You know, oh, I about died though. Okay, how about died? I have an excuse. You know, so, but my point, my point is like, some of y'all are like, I'm never going back to that church. Whatever. I love you anyway. Like the, the reality is like sometimes things come out that you don't expect to come out. Like sometimes you go through a trial or a moment and something comes out or sometimes you respond and I find myself responding in ways different than I did a year ago. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm stronger. And I, I just think, and God's not trying to expose you. He's trying to develop you. He, he's not trying to expose your deficiencies. He's trying to develop your deficiencies. And so it says that these things are exposed. Your faith life comes out and it's seen in the open, not for anybody else to see, for you to see. Go, wow, I need to work in that area. I need to get a little stronger in that area. I don't want to go around this. I need to go through this. So my question is, what have you been going around that God's been trying to take you through? What have you been saying, God, I just, I just want to get around this test. If you keep going around the same test over and over, year after year, you've probably been trying to escape it conveniently and comfortably and not actually deal with the trial or the test that's right in front of you. I just want to encourage you, don't quit. It's producing maturity in you. James says it's doing something on the inside of you. It says trials come in every direction, every direction, every direction. No, God, can't we just work on one thing this year? Kindness. Let me just work on kindness this year. Nope. We're going to work on kindness, joy, grief, patience, love, maturity, surrender, enemies, blessing people. We're going to work on all of it. Oh, God. I feel like it's from every angle. That's what the Bible says, that literally there's pressure from every angle and character and patience. And, and these things are being worked into you. It's a gift. There are trials in every direction. I got trials in every direction. Come on, slow drivers. Big trial for me. I don't know anybody else. I mean, I just slow driving. I, I, I about lose it. I can't, I'm just, I, I, that seems silly, but I, I mean, I need to grow. Like my kids remind me, dad, you're, you're a pastor. <laughs> you're going to kill us in this ride. Like slow down. Can I tell you another pet peeve? Slow, excessively slow check, self-checkout people. Like if you're checking yourself out and you can't figure it out in four minutes, go get some help. If you're cutting coupons in the self-checkout line, do that before you leave home. I got hit by a 12-minute lady the other day. She dug through her purse. She folded up every... She's folding the receipts. She's doing the accounting, you know, balancing her checkbook right there at the thing. I'm just praying for God to save me, somebody, you know? I don't know. I, I need, you know, I know some of you, come on, you've counted people's stuff in their cart at the 10 items or less aisle. I know you've counted. Come on. You, you've, if you've counted, this is messages for you. Like they got 12, it's 10 or less. Consider it 
pure joy. I know those things seem simple or seem silly, but the reality is there's things in our life that we don't consider joy, and they're making me stronger, they're making you stronger, and it's a gift. Tell a couple people sitting by you, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. My brother, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, encounter it a sheer gift, count it all joy. Doesn't say feel happy about it. Doesn't say feel, feel just, this is so great. Doesn't say you just need to be emotionally satisfied with it. Like, I'm just so thankful for this. No, no, no. Doesn't say that you have to do that. It says count it. Here's what you've got to catch. The word count in the Greek is a business term. It actually means evaluate it. It means evaluate it, pure joy. Evaluate it. Here's what you need to write down. Your values determine your evaluations. Evaluate it, the trial you're going through, the test you're going through, the thing that doesn't seem like a gift. God says, I want you to evaluate it, pure joy. And, and we can only evaluate it correctly if we have the correct values. And so if we have eternal values, we're gonna evaluate the trial. It's actually doing something in me, producing character, patience, faith, joy, kindness, love. We're gonna evaluate the situation. Wow, I'm getting stronger. Wow, I went through this for a reason. Wow, now I can help someone else. I begin to evaluate it because my values are different. If I value comfort and convenience and all the societal pleasures to get out of anything hard, then I'm not gonna value the thing the same way. Does that make sense? We understand it in the physical. We understand it with diet and health and exercise or training. But for some reason, when it comes to the walk of Christianity, when it comes to the spiritual, we just want every test to fly by. We want every trial to not be in our life. We want this easy path. And we, we're getting emaciated. We're getting weak as a body of believers. We have weak Christians in the world. We just, I mean, it's, I mean love our enemies. Like I'm watching that video of these brothers and sisters that we support getting their hair pulled out and spit on in their faces and going to worship. I'm like, man, look at that. And they're, and they're speaking with a camera going, we love you. We love you. We love you. It's sometimes we say we do that. It's easy in that kind of situation. But what about when the, the boss you hate or the, or the gift receipt you want on that spouse? Could I exchange it? Lord, <laughs> don't look around. You wish you had a re return receipt on that child that's been giving you problems. Like, like, okay, God, okay, can you help me? I got to remember my values. I got to remember my values. My daughter, she always reminds me of my values. She's 16 now, but she's never had a problem being shy to point out my deficiencies. <laughs> and so she does it so graciously. And, uh, and one, one year, one of our values as a family is to help those in need, to not because we're pastors, because we love people and we, we want to serve those that are hurting or help our, our neighbor, whatever. Just we want to help people who aren't in a good spot. And that's a value as, our, as a family. And so um, we were going on a trip and somehow my wife befriended this family and this family was down on their luck and they needed a little help. They hadn't been on a trip. And my wife invited them to go on this trip with us. And I can't remember all the details of how long we were going, but they had an infant when, and we were out of infant stage. Come on, how many know when you're out of infant stage? Unless you're a grandparent, can send them kids back somewhere. Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to deal with your kids. I had enough time dealing with my kids. I'm going to be honest. I just, I love kids. But, I, you know, I got, I went, uh, Pastor Dylan and Sierra, uh, they had their first little baby, or their second little baby, Auden. And I went over to hold the baby at their house. And I was holding the baby. And, and they, they, no one took the baby back. My wife, was, my wife was sitting there. She could tell how uncomfortable I was. And she was just making me sit in it. And I was just like, 
and no one offered. Like, I'm just like, okay. It's like 20 minutes later. And then, and then all of a sudden, what the trigger was the baby finally blew its diaper out with urine and it went into my pants and down. In, and I mean, he, he and I share DNA. We're related now. Anyway, anyway, uh, I, I don't, I don't do that great with babies, right? My wife, and, and so, and so this trip with this baby, they're like, Hey, we're going to bring the, the baby's going to come with us. The, 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 and I'm like, okay, we're going to help fa- our value. We're going to help families. Right. And then my oldest son goes, dad, that's gross. That baby's going to be crapping on the whole ride. And they're going to be changing his diaper in the car and the car is going to stink. And I was like, you're right. What are we doing, babe? And then my daughter looked at me and said, Dad, you know, it just got wrapped up in that moment, you know? The devil will always send a little trigger to get you to forget your values, right? My, I don't know where it comes from. My son did it that day, and I was like, yeah. And my, wife, my daughter goes, Dad, you remember our values? We're here to help people as a family. And she goes, put on your big boy pastor pants and help a family. And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am. Here's what I would just say. If you're having trouble finding joy, you need to remind yourself of your values. If you're having trouble evaluating the test or the trial or the storm in a certain way, remind yourself of your values. That we don't live for instant fixes. We don't live for instant gratification. We don't live, our, our trials are temporary, uh, far exceeding the greater weight of glory that we'll, we'll receive from God. That this, this is just a passing through life. Like begin to evaluate I value, there's things, I'm, I'm halfway through my life at this point. The things I used to value and make evaluations in life about are totally different now at this point in my life. Looking forward, I'm going, God, I need to value things differently. You'll begin to evaluate it differently. And you need people in your life that will tell you and remind you of your values. That's why we're sitting by each other. That's why we pray together. That's why we have brothers and sisters. Because I needed my daughter that day to tell me, hey, put on your big boy pastor Christian pants. Sometimes we need people to say, hey, you're complaining. You're, you've been off. You get a little negative. Like, like, remember what we're here on this planet for? Remember why we're going to this job? Remember why we're doing what we do? Remember why we're raising these kids? I just think we need to remind ourselves. I need to remind myself often of my value system. It says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Some of you think that you're in a test because you messed up. Some of you think you're in a test because God's mad at you. Some of you think you're in going through this trial because you never do anything right. That's not why. I'm here to clarify to you. You're in a test because faith is always tested. It's always tested. You're facing what you're facing, not because God's mad at you or you're no good, that you have to know your faith is going to be tested. God's not mad at you. A manufacturer always tests the product before he mass produces it. A pupil always tests the student before he promotes it. Some of you, the fact that you're going through the trial of, what, of, of, of hell that you've been through is proof that God's actually about to promote you or bring you into something new or to level you up or to get you to a new place in life. But you're going through some things because God's got to prepare you and put some stuff in you to prepare you for the promotion he wants to bring to you. I, I want an upgrade in areas of my life and I'm in trials in certain areas and a lot of times I want out of that trial. Here's the deal. The thing that you've been praying for The storm that you're in or the trial that you're in is the very thing that's supplying the missing piece that's going to keep you in your promotion. Man, God, I just want a spouse. Well, you need patience to be married. Some some of you, this is a word right here. Somebody in here, the person in here that feels isolated, it's actually been protection. God's been protecting you. Sometimes you've prayed for that new job, that promotion, 
You're like, well, why am I going through hell here? Because God's preparing you for the promotion. He wants your character strong enough so when you get there, you can stay in it and handle it and you won't implode. Come on, you won't implode that you'll be stronger on the inside than you are on the outside. God's saying, I can't answer your prayer until I impart some stuff into you that you need. So you've prayed for what you've prayed for. And now you're going, why am I in the storm? Because God's putting into you what you need. The storm is actually supplying what you need for the next stage of your life. And we want to get out of it and around it. Trials work for us, not against us. They mature us. You can write this down. Trials produce patience. They produce patience. Faith is always tested and trials produce patience. This is what James said, that trials would have its perfect work and that we would have patience. Hear me. Patience does not mean this passive waiting and acceptance of the situation. Oh, it just is what it is. I'm going to be patient in this trial. No, no, no. It's a confident endurance. The word patience is this confident endurance, this endurance that can come up under a trial and withstand the test. It's like, it's the fortitude that can finish a marathon. It literally means, it's two words in the Greek. I'm not going to give you that on the screen and all that, but, but the two words actually mean to remain under. That the trial you're in is actually creating patience, a confident endurance that allows you to remain under whatever the weight is that life's throwing at you. Come on, life is heavy, somebody. And, 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 and he's saying that in this trial that you're actually getting equipped and you're getting this patience, this confident endurance to be able to remain up under some weight. I was with a guy the other day and he rung out at Navy SEALs. He, he, he rung the bell. I asked him why he rung the bell. We were hanging out having, having coffee that last week. And he said, yeah, I rung the bell. I went through Bud's training and I didn't, I didn't make it. He goes, but I, he goes, it's okay. He goes, here's why. He, uh, he said, we used to do this test. And he goes, I got, I got delayed with the group of guys I was with. So I was with one group and then they pushed me to another group. And then I got pushed to another group. So I'm with a third group of guys. And these guys had a reputation of not going all out. And he said, we do this one test or this one trial or this one exercise where you have to carry the boat, the big rubber boat. You put it on your head and, and the guys, you've probably seen it in, in, in uh, I don't know, whatever maybe it is about Navy SEALs and they carry the boat on their head. And so you distribute the weight between the six or eight guys and they all put the boat kind of the weight on the shoulder on the side of their head in a certain way. And they have to run this boat through the beaches and through the waves and up dunes and through the sand. You can imagine how hard it is to all carry that and to stay in sync and in unity carrying that together. He walked up on this third group of guys and he looked at him and they said, oh, thank God you're here, Christian. Thank God you're here to help us. We can do it now. And he goes, oh, I'm going to ring out. And they were like, what do you mean? He goes, I know. And they had this reputation. They called them boat duckers. They say, you're a, he goes, you're, you guys are a bunch of boat duckers. He goes, they were boat duckers. I was like, what's a boat ducker? He goes, well, it was guys that would actually get up under it, but then they would duck their head in a certain way so none of the weight would be hitting on their head. And it would be distributed on the other four or five guys in an unequal manner. And he goes, it's actually very unsafe because we're trying to navigate and run, and now you're off balance. And if everybody's not remaining up under the weight, then you get thrown off balance. And I just think James is saying, I don't want any boat duckers in the Christian world. I'm putting you through some stuff because I don't want you dipping out on the heaviness of life. I don't want you trying to get out from under whatever you're facing. And, and because your brothers and sisters and your family and your kids and others depend on you actually staying up under the weight of life. Immature people always want to get out from under. Get out from that boss. Get out from that marriage. Get out from that debt. Get out from that responsibility. Get out from those chores. I want to get out. Mature people figure out how to stay under. Come on, God's just saying, give me a church full of people that can remain up under some stuff. That can stay up under some pressure. That can stay up. Can I just, there's, no, there's no endurance simulator. 
Oh, I wish somebody could just come and just snap the, I wish I could cold punch myself to health. <laughs> I wish I could hot sauna myself to health. We've bought in. Just climb into this cold plunge. I'm sure there's some health benefits, but it ain't going to be like lifting those weights and getting on the treadmill and going out for a jog and, and, and walking down the neighborhood. There's no, I mean, there's, there's roller coaster simulators. Woo! That was fun. Thank you, main event. No, 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 no. Not, not in the Christian walk. We, we, you have to jump on the treadmill. You have to stay up under the weight. You have to sweat it out. You have to, I'm here to encourage you. Come on. I know I'm a little drill sergeant today. Drill sergeants prepare you for battle and life and put weapons in your hand to get you ready for the next stage of battle that you're going to face. No one said they love drill sergeant during boot camp, but afterwards at battle, they're like, thank God he trained me and put some stuff in me because I'm in a trial. And I, I don't, we all want to simulate our faith in a way, but I'm just telling you that there's no way to get faith stronger except going through some trial. And I, I pray to God that I don't have to face a new trial walking out of here because I preached on it. I had a guy, first service, he came up to me in tears. He said, man, you wouldn't believe it. He, he opened up his Bible to the book of James and there was a, a, a receipt. He was weeping. He goes, man, there's a receipt at James chapter one. It was a receipt. He pulled it out in the back hall, weeping, going, look what God's speaking to me. And he goes, I'm not going to exchange it. He's like, I'm going to tape this thing to this chapter of my Bible. There's some, there's some them gifts that you need to go ahead and take the gift receipt and just tape it up and say, I'm never exchanging this. I went through it, but I would never return it. I would never not go through that again because this is what God did in my life. And I just want God to continue to strengthen me and to strengthen you. You're getting stronger. We're not ducking out. Come on, give us a mom and dad that won't quit praying for their kids. Give us a brother and sister that'll keep reminding us of our values. Give us a church of people that won't die. Give us a group of people that'll just keep shining when it gets darker and darker. Come on, Satan's scared of people that just won't quit shining. I'm just gonna stay up under it. You're getting maturity. You're getting strength. And it says this, and I'm gonna pray for you. It says, let this patience have its perfect work. It actually says this, but let. But let this patience have its perfect work. I, I, I wrote it down this way. God will not develop character in you without your cooperation. But let patience have its perfect work. And if you, if you don't allow patience to have its perfect work, and if you don't begin to evaluate the trials differently, you'll always be bitter in every battle. You'll be bitter at each other. You'll be bitter at God. Why am I going through this? Why, 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 why? You're going to let patience. There's many trials I've been in that I didn't let patience have its work. I didn't let confident endurance have its work. And so I looked like one of those little kids at Walmart, stuck on mama's leg, screaming as she drags them out. Come on, anybody ever felt like that in your Christian walk? Like, ah! they look crazy. They're dragging the kid. I mean, just as a believer, sometimes we go through stuff and we're like, no, we're not letting, we're not surrendering. We're not, you can be in every trial of your life and not surrender to the trial to allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. It says, you let patience have its perfect work. I'm gonna go out of here with a different attitude, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let this, I'm gonna allow this. I'm not, I'm not gonna passively sit back. I'm gonna have an endurance and a confidence. I know you're taking me somewhere. And then God says this, and if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask, 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 ask for wisdom. If you need help, ask. He doesn't say, if you need deliverance, ask. If you need freedom, ask. He doesn't say it. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is deliverance. You already got Jesus. He doesn't say, if you, if you need an easier route, ask. If you need just a new job, ask. It doesn't say any of that. It says, if you need wisdom, God, I don't know what I'm doing. 
He says he'll give it to you without condescending you, without looking down, without finding fault, without knowing, well, you should have known, well, you could have done better. No, 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 no. He doesn't do any of that. He says, just ask. I'm ready to show up. I'm ready to help. And then he says, ask how? In faith. Not ask for faith, ask in faith, in faith, in faith. What do you mean? It says, if you don't have faith, you're like a double-minded man, tossed to and fro like the, like the waves of the sea. And, and then you'll ask God and you won't get anything from God when you're double-minded. He's comparing someone double-minded who doesn't ask in faith, someone who doesn't have faith. What don't they have faith in? They don't have faith that God is for them. So usually when we go through trials, James is saying, ask for wisdom and ask in faith because usually we go through trials and say, God doesn't love me. Why do I deserve this? When he didn't show up, why am I going through this? And we go back and forth. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. We're wondering like, and what James is saying is, would you just decide once and for all in your life that you love God and that he loves you and that you can ask and he wants to show up. He wants to help. He wants to speak. He wants to give you the strength and the courage you need to go to the next place in life. God, I ask you in faith. I ask believing that you love me no matter what. You're not punishing me. You're not putting some trial on me because I did wrong. You're strengthening me and encouraging me and making me better, oh God. I've gone through this, God, and I know you love me. And here's what it says in James 1.12. Those that love God will receive the crown of life. Those that allow perseverance and patience to have its work and love God will receive the crown of life. Does it say that those that do it perfect will get the crown of life? Those that never mess up, those that never complain, doesn't say it says those that love me will get the crown of life. Can I just tell you that, that love and trust go together? And this is the way of Christ. It's always the cross and then the crown. It's always the test and then the character. God does something for you, salvation. He does something in you, character, and does something through you, calling. Salvation, character, and calling. He does those things, but he's got to do something in you before he does something through you. And we go through things, and it's Christ. It's, it's the suffering and then the crown. Those that love me will receive the crown. God, I love you, and I know you love me. Therefore, I trust you. And whatever battle you're going through right now, whatever test you're facing, you don't need a gift receipt for this thing. And we count it joy, God. We give it to you, and we believe that we're going to be strengthened and receive what we need for this next moment in life. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for... It's weird to say every trial, every test, every storm, nothing surprises you. Nothing's caught you off guard. So often we don't evaluate the storms because we don't value what you value. Lord, help us to value what you value, no matter what age or what stage of life we're in here right now. Would you help us to value what you value? Help me to value what you value in the next half of my life. I thank you, Lord, that you've developed strength and character and endurance in us through the storms and trials, and there'll be more to come. And I pray, oh God, that we don't try to get out from under them prematurely, that we allow them to have their perfect work. No one looking around just for a second. If you say, Pastor, I'm in a trial, I'm in a storm, and I need it to be a gift. I need to evaluate it a little bit different. I want to stay up under, and I've been wanting to run, but I'm going to stay. Pray for me to stay. Would you just put your hand up to me? I need to, I need to stay put. I'm going to stay under this trial. I know it's producing something to me. Maybe you need it to produce patience in you. Would you put your hand up? I need some endurance in this season. I'm ready to quit. I need some endurance. Come on. If you're watching online and you need endurance right now, just type. I need some prayer. Pray for me. Father, you see every hand. You know every trial. You know every length of the marathon we're in. You know every stage of the race that we're in. 
Would you, would you encourage us, strengthen us, feed us, give us what we need to continue? Anyone ready to quit under the sound of my voice or watching online? Lord, would you strengthen them? Lord, this storm will blow over. Lord, I thank you that they do not quit. Promotion is here, Lord. There's another level for them, Lord. I thank you for the test and the trial that you would equip them and put everything they need for life and godliness. If you're in this room just for another second, no one, no one looking around. If you need Christ, maybe you know that you've been doing this on your own. You've been carrying all the weight of life on your own shoulders. Ultimately, Jesus carried the weight of our sin, death, hell, defeated Satan to give us the ability to even endure, to walk with him, to have a leader, a Lord. The Bible says Jesus came to this planet, lived perfect, took my sin, my shame, my guilt, my mistakes, nailed it all to a tree and then rose from the dead to give me a brand new fresh start. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready, today's my day. Maybe you're watching online and you've been leading your own life, you've been carrying your own sin, your own guilt, you've been carrying all the weight of life and you're ready to say, you know what, I need a leader, I need a Lord, I need Jesus. Maybe you walked away from God several years ago and today's the day he's drawing you back. No one's gonna judge you or embarrass you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, if you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God, pray for me. If you're online right now, just type in fresh start. I need a fresh start. We wanna pray for you. If you're in this room, would you just boldly put your hand up to me? I need a, I need a fresh start in God today. Thank you for your courage. I need a fresh start. I'm not talking about rules and church and regulation. I'm talking about a fresh start in Jesus. I need God to be my leader and Lord. Thank you for your boldness, young man. Thank you for your courage. Come on, church. People saying, yes, we can't do life without Jesus. We can't face the storms. I can't face the trials. I can't stand the test of time without you, Jesus. You stood the trial on that cross. You stood the greatest test on that tree. You took it all on for me, oh God. I surrender my life to you today. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. If you put your hand up, just pray with me. It's a prayer of surrender. Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe you came to this planet and lived for me perfectly. You took my sin and shame and guilt and you nailed it to that tree. You died and then you rose from the dead to give me a brand new heart. Lord, I give you my life today. Be my leader and be my Lord. I'm a Christian and I trust you with every storm and every trial. Fill me, Holy Spirit, so I can serve Jesus the rest of my days. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in this place for several people saying yes to eternity. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.